Sentire Media. Hello everyone, you're listening to A History of Italy. Episode 102. Venice kicks off its 14th century. Just a quick organizational housekeeping note. This episode was originally supposed to include both Venice and Genoa, but it came out rather a lot longer than I had intended. So we'll only be talking about Venice in this episode, and it will come up a little bit short. Apologies for that. But I prefer to keep the narrative of Geneva whole. And so you'll be getting a bit more next time. Again, apologies. So, in this episode, we're going to be doing a little bit of catching up with Venice. There will be a lot of events and dates in this catch-up episode. And, as always, I do not expect you to remember them all. So, you can put your notebooks away and relax. You don't have to take it all in and memorize it bit by bit. Unless you're doing an exam on 13th century Italian history, then it might be time to get to work. We left our good old friend Venice a while back as it found itself going from a powerful commercial city-state to a land empire thanks to the unexpected turn that the Fourth Crusade took, i.e. ending up in a temporary fall of the Byzantine Empire to the Crusaders, Venice in the lead, and the establishment of a Latin Empire in its stead. During the Crusade, Venice had been under the leadership of its famous 95-year-old and almost completely blind doge, Enrico Dandalo. You will remember that the doge, or doge in English, was the name given to the leader of the Republic of Venice, deriving from the word duca, duke. It would be great to know what kind of substance Enrico Dandalo was consuming to get that far in that shape. He died in 1205, just as the crusade had ended. He couldn't have really lasted much longer than that. In his place, Pietro Ziani was elected, and he understood immediately that there was no way that Venice would be able to hold on to such vast lands indefinitely. So he did a pretty smart thing. He made sure that the administration had direct control over key ports and colonies, mostly along the coastlines, and he left the management of the rest of the lands to the great Venetian families. In this way, if all went well, there were Venetians controlling vast parts of what had been the Byzantine Empire, and if they didn't, well, it would just be the family in question to lose out, and not the whole Maritime Republic. Ziani also looked internally to administrative reform. His organization was very confusingly called the Signoria. You'll remember that this was the name that was being given to the hereditary rule of single families that was taking the place of our lovely communes all over Italy. This Signoria was made up of the Doge himself, six councillors of the Doge, and three members elected by a body called the Quarantia. 
The 13th century for Venice was a period of continuous reform. I had an in-depth look at this period with the Dodgers and the Maggior Consiglio and guilds and all of the administrative changes and trust me, they are really, really boring. In short, the relationship between the Dodger and Venice developed into an actual contract in full style. Each Dodger would add clauses to the point that by the 17th century, the contract reached 108 pages with 16 of indexes. In the case of Ziani, we see the rare example of a ruler actually limiting his own power for the good of the Republic. Also in the little details, for example, the Dodger received a simple salary and was not allowed to receive lavish gifts to avoid corruption. Indeed, he was only allowed rose water, leaves, flowers, scented herbs and balms. Now, I imagine that said gifts must have had some important symbolic meaning, but I would have just said Thanks guys, don't bother, just give me the salary, thank you very much. Ziani died in 1229 and was followed by Jacopo Tiepolo, who reigned from 1229 to 1249. The Tiepolo were one of the great families of the city, along with the Contarini, the Dandalo, the Ziani and the Morosini. Indeed, it was under a Morosini doge later in the century that the Signori della Notte, an early form of nighttime police, was introduced after lighting had been introduced in the previous century. Anyway, Jacopo Tiepolo also enacted some reforms and had a similar outlook to the new Venetian Empire, knowing that it couldn't last. Indeed, it would be in the year 1261, under the Palaiologus dynasty, that the Byzantines would take back their empire again. The reigns of the two dodges mentioned from 1205 to 1249 coincide with the rise and fall of Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II, with whom Venice initially got on okay, but in the end they found themselves fighting against him. Indeed, when the communes once again came together to form a league against the emperor and were defeated at the Battle of Cortenova in 1236, the son of Doge Jacopo Tiepolo, Pietro, was captured and later executed. Revenge came three years later, when Venice allied with the papacy, Pisa and Genoa to defeat the emperor. The alliance with Genoa was quite a rare event and the two republics usually spent most of the time in a state of constant on and off warring and raiding and fragile peace. The culmination of this came with the Battle of Cursala in 1298 in which Venice was defeated, but we'll leave that for a bit later. Having mentioned Genova, we will get to talk about them in the next episode. In the meantime, we need to get Venice into the 14th century. Before we do that, a last word from our sponsors. The issues that Venice had in the 1300s did not regard as usual the sea, but they came from inland. 
one of the close neighbours in that direction was Azzo Seventh Este, Lord of Ferrara, Modena and Reggio Emilia. Yes, we will be spending a little bit more quality time with the Este family in a later episode. They are quite important. Venice had always had a somewhat ambiguous relationship with Azzo, and when he died in 1308, his descendants couldn't make up their minds. One of them, Fresco, wanted to hand over control of Ferrara to Venice. Another, however, Francesco, wanted to assign it to Pope Clement V up in Avignon. And, of course, the Pope said something along the lines of, My job is to take care of the souls of every good Christian. What would I do with lands and cities? He did not say that at all, obviously. While Venice was trying to decide what to do, they were hit by excommunication and an interdict by the Pope. That means no one in the city was allowed to do anything religious. No christenings, no masses, no funerals, no nothing. Things got even worse in 1308 when Clement put together a coalition of cities against Venice and launched a crusade. The Maritime Republic was crushed. From then on, the Dodge at the time, Gradenigo, had to guard from revolt and secret plots, among which was the failed conspiracy of the Tiepolo family. Obviously, it's all a lot more complicated than that, but that's the simple version. The interdict was finally lifted in 1313, not out of pious holiness on the part of the Pope, but for the whopping sum of 100,000 Florentine florins. As you can see, Venice did not start the 14th century in the best of ways. However, for you Venice lover listeners out there, do not worry. Venice has to make it all the way up to the Napoleonic era, so good times will come again. Thanks very, very much to everyone for listening. Thanks to the lower half of the Margarita Hack and Galileo Galilei level, Marxist-Leninist Sicilian... Mike M, Neville, Paradise, Patricia Kappa, Renee B, Roberta D, Rod L, Rodney N, the question master, Rudy F, Sam, Scott L, Shelby, Stephen, and TO5, and to the tippy top Maria Montessori and Dante Ligieri level, Paolo, Lisa K, JW, Andrew M, Brandon S, Maxime, David A, Peter W, and of course, Sen. Now, if you're paying close attention there, because you're like one of those people who like to, to sit and watch and read all the movie credits, you may have noticed some new names. Indeed, we have received a flurry of new, fantastic Patreon supporters who perhaps are taking advantage of the fact that we have released the Mega Recap episode. All of our History of Italy from 476 to 1310 that you can get a hold of on Patreon or via PayPal if you drop us an email. Those new Patreon supporters are Chad H, Rod L, Mark L, Connor T, Nick D, TO5, John K, and a new member of the Tippy Top, Maria Montessori and Dante Ligiero, Kevin O. 
Thank you, thank you to all of you, and welcome aboard. Remember, if you so desire, you can get in touch. Hello at ahistoryofitaly.com And at the same URL, you can click through to our social media. We are on Twitter and on Facebook. Once again, thanks very much to everyone for listening. And until next time, arrivederci. Ah, Your Excellency, congratulations on your elections of a new dodge. Thank you, my fellow citizen. We just need to get your signature on the contract here. Ah, yes. Where is it? Here it is. Ah, um, that's qu quite a few pages. Yes, sir. 108 pages plus another 16 of indexes, you know, to make things a bit more simple. Simple, yes. Um, do I have to read it all? Well, we'll never get started with all the uh, doging. Well, that's up to you, my lord. Well, could, could you give me a, a summary, maybe? Well, it covers your duties and rights as dodger. What ceremonies you have to attend, what you have to wear, your inaugurations, the presents you can receive. Ah, presents! I like those. What do I get? Well, you can have rose water, leaves, scented herbs, flowers, bulbs. And? And what, sir? Uh, what else? That's it, sir. Ah, and um, w what do I do with that stuff, then? I'm not really sure. Well, I, I suppose some flowers would be nice. Brighten the place up, don't you know? Um, how about some tulips? No. Uh, daffodils? No. Hydrangeas? No. Lilies? No. Roses? No. What, well, what can I have then? Daisies or dandelions? Well, daisies and dandelions it is then. No, sir. Daisies or dandelions. You can have both. Now, you're not an emperor after all. Um, all right, well, make it daisies then. No, sorry, sir, you can't. But but you you said that... Why not? It's Thursday, sir. You can only have daisies at the weekend. Oh, bother. Uh, what about pets then? Pets, sir? Yes, pets. Can I have a pet? Um, yes, just a moment. Ah, yes. You can have a starfish, a mouse, a small pebble, a baby sea monster, or a tadpole. Baby sea monster? Ah, uh, I'll have one of those. Sorry, sir, you can't. But, but, why, pray tell? Well, they don't exist. Ah, well, that is true. Um... Okay, a tadpole then. I shall call him Heraclitus, and when he becomes a frog, I shall... No, no, sir. What? I can't even have the tadpole? Oh, yeah, you can have a tadpole, but not a frog. But... but tadpoles are baby frogs. Yes, we come and take it away when it starts to sprout legs. 
Uh, I don't know if I want this job anymore. You can't, sir. You can't what? You can give up the job. Only in the case of death or sea monster attack on the city. Wait, sir, where are you going? I'm going to jump in the lagoon. But you're not allowed to do that until after breakfast. Watch me! Sentire Media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.